Twitter handle at Religion of Woke. So Tucker Carlson has gone on the latest episode, podcast episode of Cut the Bull. Cut the Bull is an anti-woke podcast with um, Charles, Shamika, and Wilfred, and they're all black, but it's anti-woke. And I don't think there's any way to know. Well, it's hard to tell how popular a podcast is, but the YouTube version of Cut the Bull gets like. Last time I saw it, they got like 150 views. So they're even though Wilfred at least is pretty famous, uh, no one's aware of this podcast. So go check it out; it's freaking awesome. But Tucker Carlson, I think he's like whatever his ratings are very high. I think he's like the most watched political person in America, or something, something like that. And I don't have TV. Um, Anyways, like, for instance, it was interesting. I heard this stat the other day. I looked it up. It was true. Um, there's a show called Greg Gutfeld, or, you know, Greg Gutfeld does the news, or whatever it is. The Greg, Gut, Greg Gutfeld show. But it's, like, it's on Fox News. It's late at night. I don't know what time. And it's trying to be, like, a Fox version of Jimmy Kimmel... Tonight Show, Stephen Colbert, uh, Jimmy Fallon, whatever. Those guys. And I'll say, I don't know about the other guys. Well, you know what? Jimmy Kimmel. I used to love him on The Man Show. When he was not woke, he was freaking awesome. And Stephen Colbert, when he had the Colbert rapport and it wasn't woke, that was freaking awesome. I mean, I used to love some of these guys. And Jimmy Fallon, I never, I never cared about him. I stopped watching Saturday Night Live after... Uh, that fat guy died. The second fat guy. And I didn't watch, like, you know, The Tonight Show or The Late Show or whatever, but sometimes I'd actually watch some of their stuff on YouTube, you know, watch the monologue on YouTube. And it was all right. I mean, when Trump came in there, it just started getting worse and worse. And obviously after George Floyd, uh, I mean, it was unwatchable. They'd just be like, Trump's a racist. Am I right? And the audience would just roar with laughter. Yeah, let's talk about what humor is for a second. So, the way I like to describe it is that it's um, something that's true, but with a twist. Like a kid's joke. You know, this, is the, this is the earliest joke that I remember, but the question, uh, the joke goes, When is a door not a door? And the answer is, when it's a jar. And so, you know, that's... I don't know, maybe that's a pun also, but it's, it's, uh, and it's not even that funny, but it has a, there's a twist. Like, if a door was a jar, as in two words, A, and then the other word, jar, if a door was really a, you know, a, a container, then it wouldn't be a door. So that part would be true. But the twist is, the word a jar, A-J-A-R, anyways, you get it. And so... So, you know, okay, everyone gets the twist part. you got to have some sort of twist in there. Something unexpected. Makes you laugh. But the part about things being true, it doesn't really matter if the thing is true. It's just the audience has to think that it's true. So, you know, is Trump a racist? That's a... I've listened to a lot of black people argue about, argue about that back and forth on podcasts. But, you know, the number one example that they use to prove he's a racist is a lie. That's the one where he said there was fine people in Charlottesville. And they're like, look, he said the white supremacists were fine people. And then, you know, and then they, they don't give him the full quote, which is there's fine people on both sides, but not the white supremacists. 
So anyways, I guess Stephen Colbert's audience, they're not a, they're not aware that that at least the main accusations of racism against Trump are lies. Um so just, you know, oh, Trump's a racist and they're like, "Oh, that's that's funny." And I guess the twist is he's the president. I guess a better joke would be like Trump's a racist. Am I right? But if you think he's a racist because of the Charlottesville comments, you're an idiot. So there, the possible truth would be that Trump's a racist, and then they're going, you know, the listeners going down that road just fine. Yeah, Trump's a racist. I love this. This is the, this is the road that I always go down. And then the twist is, uh, the reason why you think that is because you're an idiot, and it was a lie. What do you think, audience? Should I take this on the road? Should I become a stand-up comedian? So anyways, back to it. Tucker Carlson is on Cut the Bull, which is, at least as far as the YouTube go- numbers go, it's just it's just an absolute nothing podcast. I mean, more than me, but pretty much nothing. And he's huge, and so why would he go on there? Well, they had this situation with Nicki Minaj recently where she did a tweet who said her, whatever, an acquaintance, her, her brother's friend or something. I guess she's from... Jamaica? I don't know what. Caribbean. She has some sort of Caribbean roots. And so her family member's friend took the virus and his balls got large and he got, it became impotent, she said. And it became a big news story because it was funny to, whatever, it's just funny to think of someone's balls getting real big. And then, uh, you know, people on the, on the various sides of politics on Twitter, you know, were jumping in there saying, you know, you're, you need to be responsible, Nicki Minaj, she's black, if you don't know. Uh, you need to be responsible, because black people listen to you, you're evil, don't you know that... Not saying the vaccine, you know, not towing the narrative about the vaccine being incredibly great is whatever. Anyways, so a bunch of people called her bad. And Tucker Carlson did a segment, I guess, on his show about how... I don't know what, I didn't watch it. How it was funny, or... You know, I think she's like... I'm not against the vaccine, right? She has other tweets. She's like, she's not like against the vaccine, but she thinks that it's a per- should be a personal choice and that you can pray on it or something like that. So he did a segment. She retweeted or tweeted that segment, that video segment on her Twitter account. And then some famous person came in and said, you know, he's a white nationalist, right? About Tucker. And so... You know, here's the thing I've been thinking about as far as this situation goes. So here's Tucker. He's going on a all-black um, podcast to talk about it, and I think he's he's uh, I'm probably justifiably he's afraid of being called a white nationalist. Now, you know that was just that was like one tweet that blew up, but uh, just in general, you know, like if you're white and you got a lot of money, and especially if you're on Fox News. You, got, you better be afraid. Like, if someone starts calling you a, It's basically just racist. They're calling him a racist. If people start calling you a racist, you gotta be, uh... Whatever. You do not want to be called a racist. Because Fox News has been known to fire, like... Their number one person over various reasons. Usually it was a Me Too reason. But Fox News has been known to fire... Who was it? Bill O'Reilly and an, another one of their top guys... So I think Tucker is like, oh, you're going to call me a white nationalist? Well, then I'm going to, whatever, it's the old, uh, my friends are black defense, which is actually a good defense against racism. People say, what, if you say your friends are black, that doesn't mean nothing. Yes, it does. I mean, 
the real racists, you know, the real KKK people have friends who are black? The answer to that is no. So you're at least not a real KKK guy if you got friends who are black, even though somehow they've turned that into you're racist. It proves you're racist if you say your friends are black. Anyways, he's going out and doing various anti-woke black podcasts and whatnot to show that uh, he's not a white nationalist racist. So I think, you know, that's Tucker. That's his strategy. I don't, I don't know if it's an effective strategy, but it's, it's probably the best strategy left to him in this situation. Mostly you just want to hold on to your job until America realizes that uh, all this woke stuff is BS, and then you'll be fine. Oh, I think maybe I left this out, but... So that great G- Greg Gutfeld show, um, whatever, he is beating Colbert, Fallon, whatever. He's beating them all. He has the highest ratings of all of them. Now, I don't think he's beating them all combined, but he's beating them. So that's that's interesting. And the little I've heard of him, his jokes ain't that funny either. But whatever. At least they're not uh, based on lies. I think he's trying. Maybe. Like, you know. Is he trying to make you love Trump the way that the other guys are all trying to make you hate Trump? Or whatever. Now it's switched over to Trump supporters. Um, I don't think so. Not as much as they want you to hate them. You know, he, uh, he likes them, but I don't think he's trying to make you like them. Anyways, Nicki Minaj is interesting. So people on the right are jumping on this thing. They love it. They just, it's just, they're jumping on it with glee. Um, I think someone told her, it was kind of like that one time that Biden said, uh, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. So Nicki Minaj said something, you know, like, oh, like, I gotta, I gotta do what you say because I'm black. Screw you. And so, you know, people on the right. They were overjoyed. She's got 22 million Twitter followers, which I guess is a lot. But the reason why they're so happy is that uh, she's a wedge. If you ever heard of a wedge issue, she's like a living wedge issue for them. It's basically, there's a lot of black people who always vote for Democrats, like just, whatever, they just do. But they don't actually agree with the current, uh, you know, powerful famous Democrats and their positions, you know, like they're, they may be anti-abortion uh, rights, even though Democrats are always pushing uh, abortion rights. You know, they may be against defund the police when Democrats are either keeping their mouth shut or supporting defund the police. And so I think, uh, I think people are starting to get aware of this. I mean, I'm not sure how long, I mean, I always knew that like black people didn't agree on abortion and stuff, but it never seemed to matter. I think since Trump, there's been a little bit of a opening, like black men are leaving the Democrat Party a little bit, just a little bit. But uh, basically, people on the right are salivating at the idea of black people leaving the super woke, Harvard-educated elite, you know, intelligentsia, what are the elite, the elite, the elite people, the rich people, the powerful people. Because in America, like, the highest moral authority is black people. And then, you know, so if you're black, like, you know, you are whatever. You uh, should be listened to the most. And then with, like, you know, the rich, white, Harvard-educated elite, they're like, you know what? I'm working to help black people. So now you got to listen to me, too. 
me as well. And black people are on my side, and if you oppose me, then I can call you a racist, and you'll be kicked off of social media. So anyways, people are on the right are like, man, if this, you know, hopefully all of Nicki Minaj's black fans, which I don't even know, it's probably a bunch of white teenagers or something, but anyways, they're like, man, if, if her black fans will listen to her and realize, or not realize, but decide that the Democratic Party ain't for them, then this would be awesome. And if we can take away the moral authority of the rich, white, educated elites, then we'll really have something here. So we'll just see what happens. I mean, there is there is a certain amount of uh, realignment going on. Um, I mean, if black people went over to Republicans, whatever, <laughs> they would really it would really give them a lot more power than they currently have. They'd have more votes. They'd probably have you know they'd have enough votes to go from. I think America's currently like about fifty three forty six or something. So you know. If any side, you know, if the Republic, Republicans need about 5% more people to be in the majority. So if they could get half half the black people to join them, that would do that. Well, anyways, that'll be interesting. Um, they had an election, you know, on the same topic. They had an election. Election? They had a recall. They had a recall in California for Gavin Newsom, the governor, and it flopped. Maybe... 6535 people said keep him as the governor. I mean it's a very democratic state, so whatever that was it wasn't too shocking. For a little while it looked like maybe he would be recalled and that was going to be shocking, but he wasn't and it wasn't. But the interesting stat out of that thing was that I think it was like 65% of Hispanic women and 53% of Hispanic men voted to keep the Democrat in power. And so 53%, right? That's, uh, if you take 4% off of that, you got 49. And so basically Hispanic men are just about 50-50 and they're about to go Republican in California. And if you never heard, California has a ton of Hispanic people. And who controls California really controls a lot. It may be that, you know, one of these days... um, who knows? Texas turns blue and California turns back to red. I mean, California was red for a long time. But anyways, just keep an eye on that. College-educated white people are getting more and more blue, more and more democratic. But Hispanic people, who are the people whose number is growing, they're getting closer and closer to being Republican. You know, the crap of it all probably will be is that it'll all equal out to 50-50. Like, you know, every year it's like, 50 50 and you know each side is like oh we're gonna yeah we were right and we're gonna conquer and then wrong because your group switches one way some other group switches the other way and then we're back to 50 50 and then we got uh you know supreme court has to decide or allegations of whatever so they're talking about immigration uh tucker's against it probably no big surprise there that's considered racist. But the interesting thing is, is that's the other one where uh, black people do not agree at all with the uh, woke elite white people who control the Democratic Party. Like, black people are not like, yeah, we need more immigrants. No, they're against it. And Charles is like kind of talking about, you know, gentrification. So 
whatever. If you got a woke, rich white person who's talking about uh, neighborhoods, they're going to complain about gentrification, right? That's where they go into a black neighborhood and basically make it nice. They've done studies. Uh, gentrification is like the greatest thing that can possibly happen to a neighborhood. People think it's terrible, but you know, for the people who live there, it's great. Oh my God, the crime went down. But Charles was talking about what really happens, you know, how are neighborhoods, how are poor black neighborhoods really changing in America? And the answer is a whole bunch of immigrants are moving in. Like, you know, if you're a new immigrant, you ain't got a lot of money. So you're gonna have to go to the poor neighborhood. It's like, uh, you know, Korean-owned convenience stores in black neighborhoods, you know, from ever since the 80s. Uh, black people are not like, yeah, sweet, we got a bunch of Koreans moving in. Black people and Koreans hate each other. And then, for instance, California, which is a big chunk of America, uh, people are from south of the border. They came to America. They went, you know, they went, went and made uh, lives for themselves in California. And they completely and utterly changed the... Uh, feel of the neighborhoods of these uh, poor black neighborhoods in like LA and Charles whatever he would know he's like he also doesn't want uh, you know 10,000 Haitians moving into his neighborhood either skin color is not what defines people now of course these guys are aware like, this is the thing that a Democrat cannot say because it's the huge wedge issue it would cut the party right in half which is that immigration hurts poor people and so if you're the party that's pro-immigration and also supposedly pro-poor people you just can never ever let that be known that uh, people at the bottom of the education ladder lose out when you uh, let in a bunch of uh, cheap labor tucker made a pretty good comment um there's this thing called white replacement theory i don't know White replacement, right? This is a thing where you're a Nazi because you're worried about whites being replaced by non-whites. But uh, what's really going on in America is black replacement. Like previously, Tucker had said that, um, you know, it's the people who are low on the education totem pole who are getting replaced. And he's like, you know, poor black neighborhoods and then, uh, or poor, you know, yeah, poor black inner city people. And then rural whites. And it's true that neither one of those groups is doing good as far as, you know, jobs and income goes. You know, they're doing drugs, not getting married, not raising kids in a two-parent household. But there's a big difference between someone who lives in rural Maine and someone who lives in south-central L.A., Compton. A white person in rural Maine, well... They may have their problems, but they didn't get kicked out, you know. They're not competing with anyone there. Whereas apparently Compton used to be the largest black city uh, west of the Mississippi. And now the majority of people there speak Spanish. Alright, I love Shamika, and she's about to talk about this stuff. So I'm just going to copyright infringe her and uh, put in what she says. And let me tell you, she is always balls to the wall. She does not mess around compared to anyone else I listen to. 
Well, I don't like um, immigration, especially illegal immigration, probably for different reasons. You know, I noticed that, you know, coming through school, K through 12th grade, we got two years of uh, Spanish. You know, but then as an adult, you go to get a job and they say, are you bilingual? Well, yeah, I speak English and sarcasm. Isn't that enough? <laughs> I, you know. And I don't like the fact that, you know, my neighborhood that I grew up in, my grandmother still lives there, there are a lot of Hispanics moving in. They have six and seven cars in the yard, and the music is playing real loud at night. All you hear is, I don't like it. Oh, is that Nicki Minaj? That's not, no. (laughs) And I noticed that even the health center that used to be black and just feel like, you know, it was family. Now you walk in, you don't know who the providers are. They don't know each other. They don't know your name. They don't know your family. It's just changed. And so for me, it's almost like we have to cater to them now. And as a black person, I feel like, well, we've been here a lot longer. Why do I need to learn Spanish? Why can't they come here and learn English? My ancestors had to learn English. You know, I, I don't like that. And I do notice that they get the the jobs the most because they're bilingual. Their men are taking the job. You know, sometimes they do work a little harder. You know, I'm looking for a Hispanic lawman right now. Uh, but it has changed. And I think that they have to be honest to say that even black people don't like it. It's not about, you know, white people not wanting to be replaced. We see what's happening. And yes, we are being replaced as well. I guess this might be a good place to throw in some facts that a lot of people don't know about immigration. But, uh, you know, who does immigration help and who does immigration hurt? Well, first off, it helps people who move here. It helps the immigrants, like, enormously. Maybe more than everything else put together, it helps them. But putting that aside, because, you know, maybe you care about Americans more than you care about uh, non-Americans. In that case, immigration. It helps the rich. It hurts the poor. It helps the homeowners. It hurts the renters. It helps the college-educated. It hurts the poorly-educated. It helps the whites, it hurts the blacks. It helps the married, it hurts the single. It helps the old people, it hurts the children. I guess that's the funny thing. It helps a lot of Republicans and hurts a lot of Democrats. But anyways, that's the opposite of how people vote. Yeah, so let's go into that a little more carefully or whatever let's look at let's look at the two countries you know um so it helps americans who are doing good it hurts americans who are doing bad it helps the immigrants who move here and it hurts the people left in the country you know like say guatemala so you know let's use guatemalans as an example every guatemalan that moves here it helps the rich americans it hurts the poor americans it helps that guatemalan person who moves here and it hurts the Guatemalans who are left behind. Now, I've not seen stats on this exactly. I don't, no one knows. You know, Once again, no one knows. Here's the thing that no one knows. But it's like, how devastating is it to Guatemalans as a whole, you know, in general, when, you know, when their best people or whatever, their most motivated people move to America? And I think the answer is, overall, when every single thing is taken into account, you know, the world as a, 
as a whole, you know, the, the third rock from the sun, there's a good chance that it actually is devastating to human well-being in general. But I'm not sure. I mean, it sure does help the people who move here. I mean, they go from Guatemala where they make like, I don't know what, $1,000 a year, and then they move here, and then they make $25,000 a year. I mean, you know, if you can increase your income by 25 times, I mean, you would, wouldn't you? You're, you're, you know, that would make you a millionaire. So it's almost like it makes every one of them a millionaire when they move here.